I just love the skating and the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today. Board today. Board today. This is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All I Need Skate founder, Anthony Shetler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skateboards in the garage. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Get on this thing. <laughs> Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me and you learn some tricks or whatever and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know, the other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad. Admiration. Yeah, yeah the admiration or the, the affirmation. Real. Recognized real. If I didn't experience those crazy moments in my life, then these great moments would never be as great as they have been. Honestly, like for me, I just loved it. Like I saw those dudes, I saw those videos, and I was like, holy fuck, this is sick. Yeah. This is what I want to do. <laughs> Are you, uh... Are you on Wi-Fi? Yeah. <laughs> we're still, like, at the, the building still has Wi-Fi, so I'm, we're all good. Like, I'm still connected. Just can't get in the building for some reason. That, that's crazy. <laughs> this is my first time doing this when someone's been locked out of the building. It's <laughs> <laughs> a first for everything. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm like one of the last ones here right now. Miner's walking around somewhere out here. Like, oh, we were hanging out for a while, so... He might pop in later. I don't know where he's at, but... Oh, that'd be dope. Um, what'd you get for a six-pack? I got Coors Light, just because it's easy. I'm usually an IPA guy, but... Yeah. Wait, what do you usually drink? IPAs? Like, a, I don't know. Stone IPA, Ballast Point. The difference is, like, with Coors Lights, it's just easy. Like, it's just... But, like, if you want to really have a sip of a beer and enjoy it, like, an IPA, I feel like it's kind of an acquired thing. It's kind of weird, like, coffee. Yeah. A little bit strong, you know. Yeah, it's my... Just, it depends on the mood. Yeah, Westgate's dad chugs Bud... Well, he used to drink a lot of Bud Light, like, real... A lot of Bud Light, like, crazy, like it was water. And I would talk so much shit to his dad, like, what are you doing, dude? That stuff is just garbage. <laughs> Some people I, I, I agree with you. Sometimes it has like a a, a point. Like yeah, I get it. Like sometimes you just want to have a Coors Light or a Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> I'm much more. I'm much more of like um, definitely an IPA. I like Sam Sam Adams a lot. I even like I like Guinness. Guinness is really good too. Those are good. Yeah, those are like a like a milkshake. Yeah, for sure. All right, let me just make sure we're set up on Wi-Fi and everything is good. Okay. We'll get it. Sometimes it just takes a little bit. The Skype thing's not perfect. The listeners know that. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of a delay, but I think we can work it out. Okay, yeah. We'll just kind of try to give each other a little space in between so we know. Yeah. Um. Okay. I don't know if you listened to any of my podcasts in the past. Have you? Yeah, I have. I listened to a bunch, actually. I was listening to Jerry's on the way home from work a couple weeks ago. I heard Westgate's. This past week, it's funny because I was listening to Westgate's, and then I went to Miner's for his birthday on Tuesday, and I didn't know Westgate was a 
the town. So I walked up after listening to Westgate's podcast with you, and Westgate was in the driveway. It's like <laughs> tripped me out for a minute. Yeah. So what are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah, that's strange. <laughs> small world, dude. It's definitely a strange timing right there. <laughs> well, well, then you know it's going to be a shit show, so bear with me. <laughs> um, okay, I wanted to start out with... You grew up on the East Coast. That's where I was born and raised, yeah. Whereabouts? So, uh, like, so I grew up uh, in a small town called Wallingford. In Connecticut, it's pretty close to New Haven. I always tell people I'm kind of from New Haven because that's kind of the spot that we would all all meet up to go skate uh, back in the day. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, so I guess the short story is from my, my upbringing is uh, I grew up in a small town in Connecticut. That, you know, but like my mom owned a skate park called the Playground. When I was a little kid, she opened up a skate park. Whoa! And uh, yeah, like back in the '90s, you know, so. Um, back then it was insane for somebody to open up an indoor private skate park because skating was pretty, pretty mellow, pretty, pretty like removed from mainstream culture and like people thought she was crazy, but that's basically where I grew up in Wallingford. There was that place called the playground and like, you know, like that's how I met a lot of my close friends that are still around to this day. So it's, it's kind of like a melting pot of East coast skateboarding that came from that one specific skate park, which is pretty cool. Well, how, what were your parents doing before the skate park? How did they, how do they go from, to open up a skate park, basically? There actually is no, like, crazy interesting story from that. It's crazy. Like, my dad was just, my dad's always worked at stop and shop. He was, like, a deli manager there. My mom just working, like, a, you know, nine to five at, like, a shipping company. And she just was, like, she just was like the type of mom that was just like always looking for something else to do. Like she was bored in her life and she was like always like, I want something more interesting. And like, so she was always like trying new things. So this was one of those crazy things she tried because I skated and she saw all my friends loving it. And she like started looking around and like seeing the culture changing a little bit. She's like, this is pretty cool. Like all these kids are kind of doing their own thing on their own and in their own way, creating something that is, different from what's going on around the world. You know, I play soccer and I play I skateboard at the same time, but in skateboarding, she saw us, like, organizing, going skating together and, like, doing her own thing, and I think she was kind of drawn to that. So one com- one conversation went into the next, and, like, every time she would, like, look, look in the finding, like, opportunities to open up a skate park, that would open another conversation. She'd meet someone else, and before you knew it, a year and a half later, we had the, like, literally the best skate park on the East Coast, I think, at that time, I would say, like, it's crazy that video. That skate park was in uh, a Plan B video. There was like the first NSA contest on the East Coast was there. I think Costin won it. Um, wow! You know, I grew up. Uh, I grew up there with Donnie Barley and uh, you know Brian Anderson would come. I grew up there with Jim Greco and Mops. And like, there's so many East Coast dudes that kind of came through there, and that was our training ground for our whole childhood. You know, we all grew up together. Were people were like the skaters cool to you because your parents owned it, or were they like? pissed off because you had a skate park to yourself that was the tough part it's like you yeah you know i grew up with like oh man you had it so good your mom owned a skate park and i i agree like that was amazing i could skate that park anytime i wanted but i got it kind of hard because i was the skate park's owner's son you know i was always like the goody two-shoe like don't tell him he's gonna tell his mom <laughs> you know because my mom was the mom of the skate park she grew up she like raised some of those kids you know so it was kind of a weird dynamic that i feel like 
you know, kind of took her life on its own, but I mean, I'm definitely not complaining. That was like, I feel like I owe my mom so much credit to where I am even now. Like skateboarding me, skateboarding was a part of my life before she opened it. And then when she opened it, it just kind of like christened it where it's like, okay, that's my path. I found my, my like passion in life basically as, as a, at a young kid, as that young in my life, I was really, I feel like put in a place where I found myself where, you know, a lot of times you go into high school and you're in school, you're like, oh, what am I doing? Like, who am I? I, like, knew right away, like, like I belong in that. Like, skateboarding, skateboarding meant that much, you know? It's that, pretty cool. That's so, that's so rad that your mom was just down. Like, that's a blessing. <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, it's crazy because now I'm a lot older and I feel like I don't say it enough to her, but... You know, I'm not trying to make this all about, oh, I love my mom, but, you know, it's true. Like, how, <laughs> how many kids, how many kids have a skate park to their own, you know, when they're a kid? Like, we had the keys when it was closed. It was crazy. No, that's like the, that's like the ideal situation. If you're a parent and your kid's into something and you're able to, like, kind of pursue that thing with your child, like, that's like the dream. That's the American dream. Like, to, like, give your kid an opportunity to indulge in what they love. Like, that's amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, and what about your dad? Was he into skating? Uh, uh, my dad was a different story. It's kind of a weird dynamic. So I was like, uh, I was trying to, when my mom opened the skate park, I was into soccer too. I like, was getting scouted by like colleges and shit like that already when I was in like, beginning of high school. So he wanted me to go that direction. And my mom was like, open up the skate park and pulled me another direction. So I feel like there was like a death telling a disconnect between the two like he saw like my future going this way and she saw my future going that way but like you know it kind of it kind of put like a bit of a struggle between us and between the two but yeah i guess that's the, the, the easy way i'll put it like it was definitely not like a easy choice basically but my parents kind of pulling me in two different directions but i think after the fact like after all of a sudden done when my dad like realized that like oh shit this is something completely new and completely like foreign to me but he understood it later on when he saw what it was and like was exposed to the culture a little bit more he came around yeah it's funny a lot of people's parents don't realize like because back then especially skating wasn't nearly as big especially on the east coast there was no like industry it's just like you think the kids are just like causing trouble doing drugs breaking windows like graffiti you don't think like there's a career or opportunity to like travel or anything from skating like i could i don't blame your dad <laughs> i used to when i was younger but now i'm like all right i get where he's coming from but totally like when you're when you're growing up as a kid on the east coast you, you know california seems so far away and it's like a dream you know that's where all the videos you would watch are from and like that's the place you want to go but it seems it seems hard, so hard to get to you know it's like a 15 year old 16 year old kid but, like, when you get older, you're like, oh, that's just a flight. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so I have two questions now. Is, but like... <clears throat> Sorry to cut you off, but I have two questions now. One is, how did the skate park close up? What happened? Well, 1993 was, I want to say, like, just to make it a long story short, is, like, Transworld was, what, like, 40 pages? You know, it was just, like, a really weird time for skateboarding. It was right before X Games started. Uh, you know, and back then, uh, you're 
you're, you're probably on the level too where you know skateboarding's always gone up and down really high up really far down really high up it's got these spikes so i feel like the late 80s was like a really big spike like oh my god it's everywhere like it's on, on you know it was on like nbc crazy skateboard contest i was always going nuts 90s early 90s was like a refresh button on skateboarding where Remember, we had, we had super small wheels, pressure flips, skateboarding, like street skating took over and it took a weird turn. I think it was in like a stage where it was finding itself again. Yeah. It, and so the park kind of opened in the middle of that. And I think that that transition for skateboarding didn't fully find itself before the skate park had it closed. Like the park was huge. It had two full warehouses, uh, you know, full ramp, huge spine, six foot, 24 foot wide mini ramp in one section and another wall we broke down and I had a big street section. So I think, honestly, I think if the place made it for another year or two, um, it started, it would, I would have seen a spike again in skateboarding and people would have been starting to skate again and a new breed of kids would have came around, but it just didn't make it to that marker. Yeah. That's, and, and that's cool that's, that you, how long did it stay open for? I think it was three and a half to four years. It had a good run for that time period. Yeah, being that big too, I can only imagine trying to like brave. Like the summers are dead, but winters, you know, winters could be packed, but the summers, everyone's outside. So yeah, it's tough business in the summers. Definitely. That's the winters, you know, the winters are tough. I mean, from an indoor skate park, that was our business. Everyone wanted to skate. That's when you can't really target skate in the East Coast. So yeah. that was, the summers were empty. That, that was the tough part. Yeah, yeah. I live near an indoor skate park called uh, the Edge Indoor Skate Park. That's the name of it. And uh, some right, like right now, it's still kind of like transitioning from uh, spring. You know, like from winter to spring. So like business is like spotty right now. But when summer comes, everyone's just outside. It's too humid. Like you just want to be outside. Like it's tough. They gotta work so hard in the winter to save up the money so they can float through the. They can make it through the summer. You know, like. Such a tough, tough business. You got to have your heart invested if you're going to open up an indoor skate park fully. Yeah, you, you do. You have to, You can't do it for the money. Almost, you just have to do it because that's what you want to be doing. Yeah, you got to yeah. like, because like a lot of them will make enough to pay their bills, but they got to like, they're at the skate park all the time. Like, they're that's their life. They're paying for like yeah. that life. You know, like crazy. <laughs> um. All right. Well, you're at the skate park. Your parents hooked it up. It closes. Did you get ever get any like flow from companies while you were work, skating at the skate park and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, random stories, but like uh, I remember, I was really young back then. I was like thirteen, fourteen. But I used to get flowed from Alva back then. I remember hanging out with Tony Alva at the trade shows back before I knew who he was. You know, a little kid. And I think uh, I was on Planet Earth for a bit. Chris Miller's old company. Sick. Um, Sick. H Street for a minute. Just kind of crazy. Like we had the crazy part is, is that I I could go on for hours with the stories we had because like we had, we would have, have like epic demos, you know, because like there weren't any skate parks in the area, so we'd have an H Street demo with Matt Hensley. He'd roll through with like Brent Schaffel and like all John Sounder, those guys from that time, and it was just like that feeling of being in the van after picking him up from the airport, where we pull him in the parking lot and kids are pulling at the van door. Like you remember that era, like nineties, like. That was before social media and before, like, this big media blitz of everything's in real time. So you'd wait for video parts and you'd wait for magazines. So when there was a pro around an area where they didn't come around much, it, it was just chaos, you know. Like, there was a 
euphoric feeling when they would roll through. It was, it was something different than you get now. You know, like, I live in California now, and there's a lot of pros that skate around. I mean, they, they go to the skate parks a lot. I think kids are kind of adjusted to that. But, like, on the East Coast, maybe even still now, I think, like, you must see it when you guys go to the skate park. Like, it's not normal to see pros around certain areas, you know? So there's definitely, like, a, I don't know, more of an appreciative feeling, I think, when you're not around it so much. Yeah, absolutely, because... Because to you, it seems fake. Like, when I, like, being a little kid on the East Coast, I remember, like, every team that came through, and I remember, like, the dudes, and I was just staring at them, like, the big, like, super fan. Because I watched them in videos, you know, like, watching them videos all winter long, and then they come through. It's like a celebrity. Nowadays, it's like, there's more skateboarding on the East Coast, and there's more stuff going on, but there's really not, like, that many brands. Like, people aren't, like, there's some, but it's not, like, an explosion like California had, you know, not yet. I, I hope it's getting to the point where we'll have, like, a solid industry on the East Coast. Um, but kids still stoked. Like, I have people be like, oh, dude, I know who you are. I've seen you in videos. Or, like, I'll, I'll watch them go up to, like, my homie Corey Goonan, who skates for my brand, and, like, they'll be like, oh, I've seen your tricks. And, like, they're still very appreciative, which is really rad. It's not like a jaded, uh, it's everywhere, like, you know, like, some places it's so oversaturated, people are definitely jaded. Like Southern California, unfortunately. Because that's where the Mecca is. Everyone's there. <laughs> it's, true. it's so true. It's a different world over here for speeding. It's like normal, you know? It's like, imagine if you go to Hollywood and you're, like, if you lived near Hollywood and you're wherever the people are that hang out, you see all these celebrities, you're probably just like, eh, whatever. I saw them at the fucking deli. Or like New York, too. They see some celebrities a lot and you kind of get used to it. But to someone in Idaho, it's like, dude, that's fucking Jack Nicholson or whoever, you know? Like... <laughs> Yeah, there'd be, like, a news story about him being in town. Yeah, you've seen him in movies and on the channels and shit. It's so funny. That's how it was for, like, growing up on the East Coast, being a skateboarder and watching, like, the old 4-in-1s and seeing all the stuff going on in California. It's just, like, they're almost like celebrities, you know? Totally. I mean, that's what I grew up on, 4-in-1s. Like, that, that beginning, the horns intro still brings, like, <laughs> nostalgia, emotion to me, you know? Like, that's, like, that's the stuff. Me, me and my homie, yeah. like, we're trying to see who could get into 401. Like, we, like, had an ongoing bet. Like, let's see who can do it first. And my homie got in with, like, a frontside flip grab on a quarter pipe. And I don't... I didn't get into way afterwards. Like, actual in the video. <laughs> yeah. See, that was, like, the dream back then. Like, if you get an opener in 411, oh, man, you're in there. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Sick. Hey, do you know Sean Cronin? You, I, say, I think you know him, right? Yeah, I do. I used to, uh, I, when I talked to Westgate, it's funny, like, uh, Westgate would go out, I, you guys both probably would go out with him, I'm assuming, but, like, he was the, the photographer back in the day that uh, I knew from a little kid, and then he started to get, like, more photos put in the mags, and that was my guy back then when I used to skate for Foundation. Yeah, and he's from Connecticut. The, yeah, he's really close to where I grew up, like, uh, 10 minutes away. No shit. Yeah. yeah, I skated with Sean a lot. He's a really cool dude. When we rode for Zork, we'd shoot with Sean. He was like the staff photographer. I don't know. He might still be, to be honest. I think he is. Yeah. Let's see. You know what's weird about, I was thinking about, like, you have some really rad guests on your show. I, I'm, I'm, like, picturing people going to look at, like, the title of your next show and being like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, dude... If I remembered your tray flip, you had an ill tray flip, and I watched your foundation, right? It was foundation, you had a part? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like... Nervous Breakdown. Nervous Breakdown, that's right, it was so fucking good, dude. And I actually watched that, like, three days ago, I went back and rewatched it, and I was like, 
trade flips are so damn good. <laughs> just power. You do good, but you had you, that's awesome. But you skated fast and you had power. A lot of people then like that video kind of had a lot of good dudes that skated fast with power. Sick. Yeah, it was kind of a weird underground rebuilding period for the brand, I think. But who was on when you were on? Like, I'm, I'm a fan. Of that. I like. So nervous uh, breakdown. Just followed Brad Stay. Yeah. Um, what else? It was John Ethan. West. Damn, John West is so good. He's Canadian. Yeah, he, I love John. He's a great guy. That's sick. Um, yeah. Um, so I think I think from the East Coast, I think Toby Parker's was still on, on there back then. It was it was a crazy little transition period video, you know. Toby Toby's the man too. Um, he's from Massachusetts though. We claim him, right? And you claim him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I seen him not that long ago. Um. But that's sick, dude. That how did how did you end up on Foundation being on the East Coast? Uh, uh, I think Donnie Barley hooked it up. I think I was at a Tampa contest and Donnie was on Toy Machine, and then Donnie and I always uh, remained friends. We were close from back in the skate park days, and I think I sent him like a like a pseudo footage tape or something. He passed it into Todd Swank and Josh Beagle's hands. And uh, one day I just got a call from uh, Todd Swank, basically. I was, it's crazy because I graduated high school, the skate park was closed, and I like, didn't know what was going on in my life. And I was like, shit, like, I guess I'll go to college. First semester, Todd Swank called me. He's like, hey, we're going on a tour right now. Uh, the van is three days away from you. You can get in it or you don't have to. Like, it's up to you. So I like basically quit college. And I was like, you know what? I can always go back to school. And uh, I got, dude, it was crazy because I, I, you know, I was like probably 18 by then, but I, two vans pulled up to my house out of nowhere three days later, you know, it was like Jamie Thomas, uh, Bam, uh, Ed Templeton with his wife and like all my favorite skaters in the world are showing up. Bam's riding my dog around the house and just like, my mom's like, what the fuck are you doing? Where are you going? You're quitting school. And I just did it. Like I got in the van and then that's kind of where my my skate career kind of like my mini skate career kind of like took a right turn, you know, and that's what happens in skating. You know, you just get in the van basically. That's like a perfect way to say it. That's so good. To see how it goes and you mess with the dudes and if it works out, it works out and you see what you can do. So that was pretty epic. It was like a 10 second perfect place. You just do it. Like, honestly, that's, that was when uh, I think Tom Yeto was doing the, the tours. Uh, it was like zero tour machine foundation all in one big, huge two month road trip across Canada and the U S. So, we had all three teams together, like 20 skaters. Um, you know, I met some of the, some close friends I still keep in touch with from, from that then. And it was just like, we were all just on like a, a beginning of our careers. You know, that was like, I think Ellington was in on that one when he first got on zero. We were all kind of, Shane Hale, we were all kind of on like a, a test run, it's, I guess you'd say. Like the hams just kind of got thrown into the mix. And you, you just kind of fend for yourselves and go to the demos and try to get footage and just, you just go at it. You know, you, you, you got to be a little hungry, I think. Get, get to get to that like you know get in that spot you just gotta I don't know I'm kind of rambling right now but it's just like it's just, it's just, I'm like I'm like going through it in my head as a young kid like oh my god like that was such a crazy time I haven't thought about it in I'm sure I'm tripping on it because all the people that were in that moment on those teams were like people that are still involved in skateboarding and they're legendary you know like that's so many epic that seems like such an epic time to be involved in skateboarding and I'm so glad you got in the fucking van <laughs> me too man you know it's funny I was listening to Jerry's uh, podcast the other day and I texted him after because he was like talking about um, some Tampa Am contest he was at in 98 and I was like dude 
I was there with you. We both got like we both placed in like best trick, and he's like, "Holy shit, I remember that now!" Like, it's been so long, but like these guys are still still doing their thing, and it's like fucking so rad, man. Like, I don't know, it's cool. That's sick, <laughs> man. Yeah. Um, alright, moving forward, moving forward. I actually wrote a whole bunch of stuff out. I went through and did my notes. I was, like, very professional about this one. Alright, let's get it. Alright, so, hold on, let me just cross off what I've already covered. Sorry, guys. We covered your family. They seem pretty cool and supportive. I'm backing them so far. (laughs) Um, did you skate new, did you skate heaven in Connecticut, that spot? Yeah, that was a good local spot. Dude, such, such a sick spot. Yeah, is that still around? Um, I haven't been in that area in a while. I did go to Connecticut. My homie Ricky, Ricky Aponte, he shoots photos in Connecticut. He's a young kid and really rad. And he showed me around a bunch of new spots. But I don't know. I don't know if it's still around. I hope so. Six, six spot. Yeah. That's right. All right, we covered that. We talked about Sean Cronin. How do we end up from CT? How do we end up from Connecticut to California? So that trip I was just talking about where I got in the van. Yeah. Um, I became, like, pretty good friends with um, Ellington, Shane Hill, and Alyssa Steamer. And it was um, right at the same time they got the condo. Um, I don't know if you got, I don't know if you remember the, the Warner Ave situation in Huntington Beach. Yeah. So yeah. they had an open bedroom. And by the end of the tour, we were pretty tight. And they, they asked me to move in. Wow. So basically, I was like, all right, well, I got to make a decision right now. So I pulled the trigger and I just basically flew back to Connecticut and grabbed my shit and moved right back out to Huntington Beach and moved into the, to, uh, that, the Warner Ave spot. So it was, uh, I think back then it was, uh, the house was Ellington, Mike Maldonado, Alyssa, me and Shane Hale. So we had an apartment there. And then, um, I think Reynolds and Brian Sumner and Greco lived up the street up on the right. So that was kind of the start of my first round of California. Damn. Just kind of like epic tour. This is what I want to do. Just got went at it. Yeah, that's like um another like that was a moment right there in Huntington Beach. They had the piss drunks and all that stuff and you were like you went from the van into another epic like time period in skateboarding. Yeah, that was a crazy time, you know. Things were changing a lot in skateboarding. Yeah, that was a wild time. I was watching the videos and it seemed like there was like drugs, alcohol, partying, a lot of skateboarding. Was it just skate rat houses like young dudes getting sponsored and just getting into a house together? I mean, for for the place I lived in, I think it was just like, uh, I don't know, a lot of the young bucks just trying to come together and getting a place in a central location. Um, that was the time period where that little Huntington Park was a cool spot to warm up at. I want to yeah. compare that little Huntington skate park outside the high school, like the modern Cherry Park. You know how it's a, like, just a really cool little, little local spot, some rails, some ledges and stuff like that. I saw tons of Ed Templeton footage there and Andrew Reynolds, and they had the flat bar and, like, the steep banks and stuff that Ed would do, like, heel flips over and stuff. Yeah, yeah it was a hard spot. It was a hard park to skate, but once you got used to it, it was fun. You just kind of cruise around together. Yeah, it was definitely iconic, though. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was still there. It would be fun to kind of go and cruise around again. That's a bummer that it's not there. They just took it out. It was right at the school, like, out front. I remember I skated it before, and, like, people were at the fence and stuff, like... Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I mean, from that area, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was, I think that was the era, too, where, uh, I think brands were just, like, skate company brands were just kind of, like, renting houses for the riders. You know, I think Flip had a house back then. They just kind of had one rented, and whoever was in town would stay at it. Like, there was, like, a birdhouse house, I think. Like, 
it was just kind of an open place. So when people would come through, there was a place for them to stay. Yeah. I don't know if they're still doing that, but that's that was always like a, a cool idea. Yeah, that's a rad idea. You build a little community of people that are hyped on skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I gotta ask though. Did you ever get caught up in any of the like piss drunk stuff? Uh, I didn't really. I mean, I definitely had my fair share of partying with them. I just I don't have an official tattoo, or it wasn't like you know. I don't know. I, I think. Uh, I didn't go that far in, I guess. I, I mean, I was for like really good friends with everybody and stuff, but uh, like I think that that crew is. I think those. I think that that those tattoos in the club is more just about friendship, I think, than about what people kind of. I don't know. It had this big image behind it, but I think it was just about those dudes just being tight, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're young dudes. They're like experimenting and they're skateboarding and they have freedom. Like fuck. <laughs> Everyone, like, if you got in the van, you fucking had a good time. <laughs> uh, I only ask because I want to know how deep the rabbit hole goes goes with drugs. Like, the worst I've ever done is smoke weed and drink. And, like, I've never done any psychedelics, but I would. Just the situation never presented itself. Have you ever gotten any... any how weird have you gotten? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've dabbled in a bunch of stuff, but I've never really stuck to, like habit i guess i feel like Ooh, that's good with you like i don't smoke weed anymore not because i'm against it but just because like i get too i get too involved in my own thoughts you yeah. know if that makes sense like i become like too quiet i feel like it's something I'll, i'd rather do like and just veg out and play video games i'm like a video game nerd but um yeah i think i think like i've, I've dabbled in everything tried everything but i always come back to the, just having some beers and chilling out that's good that's good, <laughs> that's good. That's... um what video games Oh man, you want to get nerding out right now? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, right now, I'm playing Dark Souls Three, which is probably the, the most fun nerd game you could play right now. Um, <laughs> Explain it to me. Uh, I don't know what it is. What is it? Oh man, I'm gonna bore everybody that's listening right now. No, there's <laughs> gotta be there's gotta be someone into Dark Souls. Is it a role playing like a single player game? Yeah, it's role playing on an action game. It's like, have you ever heard of Fallout Four, Fallout Three, or? Uh, I've seen the like cover art. I like art, so I noticed like the Fallout stuff, but I never watched the game or trailers or anything. The Fallout art is really fun. I mean, I'm all over the place. Like, I like Gears of War, Call of Duty games. I'm just kind of I go in and out of liking gaming. Like when I was uh, when I moved back after that like first California adventure, I was started like getting into video games and. I would do video game reviews. I went back to school and kind of like made like a mini little pseudo career out of like writing video game reviews for websites and what? doing, I got really into it for a minute. So it's kind of like, it became like a possible career choice and then it turned into just me liking to play video games after all of a sudden done. That's pretty sick to like actually be able to like play a video game, be hyped on it and give it a review. Were there any bad reviews? Oh, I'm sure there was a bunch. I did I did a lot. The thing that was weird about it was I would get a video game sent to me, and they would be like, okay, we want the review done on Monday. It would be Friday. And, you know, like, games sometimes take, like, 34 hours to finish. So I'd be like, what? Like, it became this weird thing where, I don't know, it was, like, fun, but not really. Like, you're like, oh, man, I have to play this all day today. But, you know, sorry, guys, I can't go out tonight. I'm, I'm playing, like, you know, whatever the, the game was, like... Know, Cemetery Gravers Two or something. So really <laughs> shitty game. And you're like, fuck, man, like this sucks. Like you, you, that was the worst thing. Was like at least when you play the games that you want to play, you're like, oh, I, I can't wait to play that. I choose it. 
but you don't choose some of the games or you, you review. So you're stuck with a shitty game for like 30 hours, and then you just have to like write about it. Damn. Like two sides. Do you like finish games all the way through? Like you beat them in completion? Yeah. I was looking at like reading a book or something, or finishing like a TV show. Like you, you have to like have a finality to it to move on to the next one. It's hard to play a couple at once. Or, but you know, like, what's the point of watching Breaking Bad if you're not going to finish the season? Perfect. You kind of have to like see it through and like, okay, I did that. Now do I like it? Now do I, you, then you can have an opinion on the whole thing. Yeah, you did your job good as a reviewer. <laughs> um. The game that I finished that I was proud of was Zelda, like the original Zelda video video game. That's, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, I finished that one because it was one where like you get to certain levels and you're like, you gotta get to the next one, you gotta get to the next one, and then it was like I, I don't know, I remember that one. Do you remember? You ever play regular Nintendo? That was like my first. Uh, well, I had Atari then Nintendo, so yeah, for sure. That was oh, sick. Original Nintendo. Shit. What yeah. about um? You ever heard of a game called Bubble Bobble? Yeah, the two little uh, dinosaurs. Yes, you're probably the first person that remembers that game. That was one of my favorite games ever. Yeah, I love that one. That was that was a good 90s game, too. Yeah, it had so many levels. You basically were a little dragon. You had to blow a bubble, capture the bad dude, jump on it, pop him, and then you get to like move on to the next level. It was pretty sick. Yeah. Um, okay, scratching it off. How are you surviving in California? That's the question. Right now or back then? No, back then. It went, like, piss drunk days and, like, where does it go from there? Uh, so I would get paid a little bit. You know, I was young, so I, I would get a bunch. I wasn't getting paid a lot, so what the board, what the companies would do, they would just send you a mass amount of stuff. So I could sell a little bit at the park, sell a little bit to skate shops, and I was making a little bit for, through getting paid through a clothing sponsor and through my sponsors. So it was literally, you know, I was literally... I don't know, week to week, month to month, pay rent, see how much money you have left over and make it work. You're hustling. Yeah, I mean, that, but that's how it is now, too. I don't think that's changed. I think that's how a lot of skaters are doing it now. You know, I see it I see it still. Like, kids that are hungry will just make it work somehow, you know? Yeah, I think that's, I think, I've been saying this a lot. I was like, I think more skateboarders should do podcasts because, like, it's kind of the same thing. It's like you're hustling and you create a little show. It doesn't have to be a podcast, maybe even like a YouTube thing. Like something where they show like what they what they think of skating is. You know what I mean? Like the more expressions and stuff, like it's like a hustle too, you know? Like you work and figure out the technology and do something cool with it, you know? Imagine if every pro had a show you could just watch. I mean, it's almost like the way it used to be, where it's like, imagine if every skate, every pro had an Instagram account, but now we have that. So it's like, oh my God, let's take it to a step further. Let's, you know, like, I agree with you. Like, it would be, I feel like it might go there <laughs> somewhere in the future. Who knows? I like it. I, I like, you ever, um, I look at the comedy industry. You ever look at, like, comedians and they do it. They, like, hustle to get to shows and, like, work their way up and, like, but they had, they get on a stage and express themselves and their humor and stuff. I guess like skating too, but we have this technology where we can express our personality and lifestyles too. Cause like the coolest thing about skating is so many different people do it. So like, I don't know. I just keep thinking about how rad like a Julian Stranger podcast show would be or something like the opinions and things like, I don't know, individual, break it down to the, 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 the smaller. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. It would definitely be, I feel like 
it opens up the avenue to get inside of the heads of some of the people that you want to pick their brains at most. Like my favorite would be, I know he would never do it. Would be like imagine like a Keith Keith Kirchner podcast or something. You know, like, what the hell is what the hell would that be about? <laughs> yeah, something like that. You know, that's like such a cool personality and like a uh, interesting person. Like people would wonder about that if you put out anything where he just was like himself, you'd just be like hyped to like listen or watch. You know. Yeah, you'd grab onto that. Actually, me and Brandon were at my house. He was here, and we were looking at, I think it's a Stay Gold clip, where, like, Westgate, uh, no. Heath asked Westgate to do a 360 over just a flat bar. Like, no skateboard, just jump on his feet. And he fucking did it first try and pissed him off. But it was funny as hell. Like, just that shit is amazing to me. It's so fun. I don't know, I think, also I think that if more skateboarders express what skating was to them through some sort of technology, that authenticity can't really be faked by, like, people that don't really live it or love it, you know? Like, I don't know, I feel like it gives skaters more power if you, like, put out the content and promote the things you're into that you're truly into and who you're truly into. Because then it gives you the power, because people like authenticity and people that really love skating and shines, you know, so... More people that dedicate their lives to it should express themselves somehow. I think that's well said. Thanks. I agree. It gives you the, the portal to tell your story about who you are and why you back what you do. Yeah. Some people are super self-deprecating or like they don't want to participate for whatever reason. Those are usually the people I want to see the most. <laughs> I'm like, those people have a cool little story or whatever, you know? <laughs> Um, imagine Alyssa Steamer, she should do something, that would be sick. I'd watch her show, for sure, whatever, whatever she would want to film, or audio, or whatever, it'd be tight to listen to her. I agree, that would be awesome, I feel like she would be really good at it, too. Yeah, a lot of skateboarders have character and personality, because they've been tra well-traveled, and they just, like, to skateboard, you gotta be a little different, too, you know what I mean, you gotta think a little different, you gotta have, you're definitely not, like, conformed, like any, you know, it's a free skateboarding and getting sponsored and stuff it's like kind of on your own and hustling and freestyling and like all the dude characters like bill weiss should do something <laughs> <laughs> just threw that out there that would be great that would be fucking great sorry i could harp on this all day <laughs> all right we're gonna move on we're gonna move on what happens like you move back home and you go to school so yeah. where's the ride is that like the ride ending for you or like how'd that feel I mean, the, the short story, with, without getting too into it, is, like, I moved home, but it took me a long time to figure out that maybe I'll go to school. Like, I, it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing to talk about because, like, I don't want to come across as, like, oh, man, entering the real real world is so hard. But, like, it, it kind of, like, it, it was a weird transition from living a, a skateboard life and not having a job and getting things sent to you for free and traveling the world and filming as a kind of your job. And then that ends, you choose to like make a different point in your life where you're like, okay, for me, it was like, I, I got injured and I was on the couch for a year. And at the same time, I wasn't being productive. And I was like, okay, what the fuck am I going to do now? Like maybe my time has passed. Like you start thinking about the reality of your life and where it's going to go. And like, instead of what you want to be doing, you have, you have to like base what you are doing. So for me, it was like, I bought a flat flight back to Connecticut just to feel out what the hell was going on because California life was kind of crazy at the time. Like there was a lot of partying. I wasn't skating. I was injured. So I was like, I need to take a gap. I need to take a step into a different direction. Just reevaluate. 
So I got back to Connecticut, and that flight back, like when I got back there, there wasn't a plan to like fully stay, but that's what ended up that's what ended up happening because I didn't heal up the way I wanted to, and I started like reevaluating my skateboard career and where I thought it would be. All of a sudden, honestly, this is how it happened. Like all of a sudden, three years went by. You know, like you just get you just start hanging out with old friends and you're skating, but you're not doing anything really like filming for a video or this or that. You're partying, and then all of a sudden, time just flies by before you even realize it. That's basically what happened to me, where I was like, okay, I've unconsciously made a decision three years ago to end my skateboard career, so what do I do now? So then I started, like, reevaluating, what do I like to do? What do I like to do? What am I going to do? I always, I always, like, kept a journal and wrote, and I always, like, was pretty analytical when it came to that and uh i went back to school kind of like with like an open mind just taking the general classes and it ended up steering me into writing and i started doing video game reviews and then that just kind of like pointed me in the direction of journalism i ended up going back to school for and getting a journalism degree you know and i kind of like brush over how that happened you know but like the transition from going back into connecticut and and getting to the point where you graduate college is pretty heavy like you know you grow up i feel like i grew up in four years, like, I should have been 10 or something like that. Yeah, that I got it. sounds so cliche and cheesy, but that's kind of how it felt. No, that's that no, sounds like, legit. Um, what did you write in your diary? I mean, it was just, like, um, points of realization in life or something. Not to get too deep, but, like, you know, times before you go to bed when you're kind of at your most uh, present moment or you're, like, talk, thinking about your life and you're, like, writing down notes to yourself and, like, writing down letters to yourself. I know that sounds weird, but, like, I would kind of write things to myself as an open-ended letter so I'd read later a month from now to, like, remind myself of what was going on. Or, like, same thing when I was in California and I'm doing the skate thing. I would, do like, write just these, like, opinion pieces almost on my life. So I always enjoyed the feeling of writing something out and then feeling this, like, relief afterward, if that makes sense, or, like, this feeling of productivity after, like, okay, that's something I wrote down tangibly that I can look back to and reappreciate. So when I w- went back to school, I took some English classes and I started to get that feeling again. That wasn't about myself. It was like about whatever subject I cared about. And I got into it, you know, I had this kind of like rush about it and felt like I could vent on a page and, and I kind of just went with it. You know? What, um, what? what made you be so self like reflective? I don't know. It's, my personality i guess i overthink everything but i'm like built like that so i'm like always reflecting like i'm the guy that's going to sleep at night like oh i had 100 conversations today let's reevaluate every one of them and how i fucked them up <laughs> like, like kind of like rehashing things in my head that i shouldn't all the time so it was like that but like pointed to my life that so must sound so crazy no uh, that sounds probably so- no, 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 no. I have that. I have that because I lost my father when I was 13. So it like scared me and showed me the frailty of life. So I had like a real self-reflective and I grew up kind of in negative neighbor neighborhoods and around unhealthy people. So it gave me like um, a very self-reflective attitude. Like I'd look at my own behavior because I didn't want to be like that shit, you know? So like for me, I'm always, since I was little, since that happened, I've been very self-reflective, and it's cool to hear someone like you, like, everything you kept saying, like, oh, this must sound weird, it didn't sound weird to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's a perfect example, 
example of me like reevalu like overthinking things. Like that's probably a theory. I and, and I respect where you're coming from completely, but like yeah, that's it right there. Like <laughs> seeing it in real now. I do that too. I think a lot. Do you go to the gym at all? Not to work out, but relaxation, like spa, hot tub, steam room. Uh, I, I used to. You know what I started doing the last couple of years besides skating is mountain biking. So I, I took that up, and it's kind of like you get a workout and you're out in the, in the mountains out here. It's really nice, and you're getting a workout and you're going fast down the hill and you're climbing. Like that's kind of like the, the place where I do like a little meditation in my, to myself, even though it's not like still in your, you know, it's, it's kind of like a relaxing point to get away from everything. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, man. Good time. Hell yeah. All right. Crossing forward. All right. So you went home, you went to school, you did well, you started doing reviews for video games. That's pretty cool. I think that's cool. Um, I could make fun of it though, for sure, but. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the East Coast, so I could make fun of anything. Alright, I want to talk about America. I know we're jumping around, but I just thought of America and how'd you get involved with them? So, you know, we talked a little bit about how I was in skating before and I lived out here. I built some friendships and stuff from back in the day. Um, the story I always tell is, like, for me to, like, get this specific job was, uh, a while ago, when I moved back to Connecticut, I was, you know, I, I was from great friends and was great friends with Alyssa Steamer. So she came back to Etney's, uh, there was an Etney's release party in New York at the time when she wrote for them. And uh, she called me up and I went and took the train out and met her there. And it was a fun time. We caught up and like Don, and Don Brown was there. And we were partying. And I kind of pulled Don Brown aside at, the, at that party and I said something like, uh, you know, I'm in school right now. I'm going back to school. I'm going to get in touch with you in a couple of years when I'm ready. I'm going to come and work there. You know, I said something like that. And I always held on to that moment, and I always kind of, like, held it as, like, a, a point in time where I'm, like, I made it as, like, a goal. Like, I said that to him. Now I'm, like, because I always wanted to get back into skateboarding. I didn't know how it was going to be, but I always wanted to be involved back into it. Like, it, it's just a part of me from when I was a little kid. My mom at the skate park that I was always, like, like, the unconscious goal is to, like, do something you love always in life. You know, whatever skill you get, you want to get back to what you really appreciate the most. So, yeah, to me, it was holding on to that. And then, uh, you know, I think it was a long, long time after, but, like, I finished school and then got some other jobs. I was just kind of, like, growing up a little bit, basically, over the next five or six years. And a few years ago, I, I hit up Don on an email and I kind of, like, let him know I was going to be in town visiting somebody. And I was like, I want to meet up with you. Like, I, I'm thinking about moving out there. I, I want to talk to you about possible jobs, this and that. And Don was super cool. He looked, like, it's like New Year's morning. He was like, all right, cool. Let meet me um, at Ruby's Diner um, in Huntington Beach. It was like New Year's morning at like 10 a.m. or something. And I was just like, all right, fuck, yeah, okay. Were you nervous? I mean, I think I was, I, it's hard to remember. But now, now I know Dom pretty well. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I wasn't nervous now, but I'm sure I was, man. Like, yeah, it was like a big deal, you know? I was like, oh, shit, Dom's going to meet me. I haven't seen him in, I don't know how long. So I did. And the funny thing is, like, Dom forgot his wallet and I was like yes like I get to pay for his meal he's gonna feel guilty you know it's like <laughs> one of those stupid situations where I mean, basically we just we just shot that we just like talked for like an hour and a half and I just kind of told him about my journey and like going to school and, like skateboard life like what, what you know kind of where I'm at in life at that moment versus where I was when I was a kid last time I saw him and uh, I know I, I basically just like hey I'm moving out here and uh, keep me in mind, pass my resume around if you want, if you, if you think I'll be valuable or whatever. And it's like, yeah, for sure. So I moved out to Connecticut, and then, like, when I moved back, I made the decision to basically move out here again. And I told him I was doing it. 
Um, and then uh, I did I did that. Like I basically sold everything I owned in my apartment, moved back out here in a month, and packed my car up and drove out here. And then just kind of like played that like waiting game, you know, like, hey, I'm out here and like met up with him again and just kind of waited it out. And, and something opened up at America and social media a few months later and it just kind of worked, man. I'm like, um, I, I started here a few years ago and it's just been like an awesome journey, you know? Yeah, it's manifest destiny. You made it happen. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's sick, man. So, what what's your roles with America right now? What would your what's your title, and what do you how do you look at the job, or the oh, or the opportunity? So I'm, the, I'm the marketing manager. Um, I uh, I wouldn't say I, I do. You know, the, the social media you see every day, the Instagram, Facebook, the Twitters. Um, I'm I'm running all that, and you know, we're planning a lot of rat shit right now. Like we're we're talking about, we're planning out the next. Wild in the streets, we're planning out made two right now. Like that's kind of why I'm here late, and I was kind of like, "Hey, sorry, I'm, I'm like kind of going back and forth with you." But today was like a lot of meetings. Today we're just there's a lot of rad shit that's coming out this year that we're planning out, and and honestly, I just feel privileged to be a part of that, man. Like I feel like it's kind of like a cool thing to feel like I've come back in the industry in a different realm, you know? Yeah. More mature and more aware and more and more. Um, yeah, experience, but it's cool to be back in skating again, you know, with such a rad brand. Yeah, that seems like yeah. a really cool opportunity. Yeah, man, I, I let I, it, it's it's great. Um, so did you have you been able to travel? Have you been traveling at all? Yeah, uh, um, every year, every every once in a while. So I went to last year, went to Mexico City for a while in the streets. That was epic. That was crazy. There was like ten thousand people. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, it was it was insane. So I mean, wait, 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 wait. How do you how do you organize ten thousand people? I don't think you do. <laughs> I think that's the whole thing about it is that it just kind of happened. I mean, Mexico City was insane because we tried to organize it and it kind of fell through the night before. We had permits lined up, but ended up not working out. So we just were like, fuck it. We kind of went for it anyway. And uh, it got kind of hairy, like, the streets literally got taken over, and, and the cops were kind of, like, lining the streets in riot gear. They didn't know what was going on, really. But it worked out, I think, that just the chaos turned into, like, a positive energy at the end. Like, everybody worked at, everybody got to the, the safe house, and everything worked out. And the, I think it was more of all chaos because the kids there were so psyched. It, you know, they didn't see it. They, haven't, they don't see a lot of pro skaters come through and stuff like that. So it was, there was more about... It was more about excitement rather than, like, negative energy. It was just, like, so chaotic. Yeah, like, that. yeah, like, most skateboarders are pretty positive and just excited to be a part of it. They're not trying to, like, loot or riot. It's just, like, let's shred down there and be part of a moment. Yeah, they all want to get up close and see the session that's going down and, and talk to the, to the skaters and ask them a question, you know? Yeah, I um I skated DC one time and it was a go skate day and it was insane. Like the kids were just flying through these like it's like a city with traffic and there's just so many people and every like alleyway would like was another session and like I remember like kids were getting arrested against cop cars and stuff. I was like, Holy yeah. shit I was like just lost in the city, like and there's skaters everywhere. It was insane. Yeah. It's 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 chaotic, man. But it's a good time. That's cool. Traveling's like one of the best perks of being involved in skateboarding in any way. Like getting to travel and check out new stuff is awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> Outside last year, we did um, we did that State Flair tour, and I got to go on most of that. That was great. Like I said, I think it was like a two and a half week trip, but we teamed up with Kai. So that was that was feeling like something that people don't do very often, you know. Yeah. No, Good that trip. was that was really sick idea. I like that. Like the two brands just came together and brought the riders. Wasn't it because we can? <laughs> yeah, not. <laughs> it's pretty sick. Where'd you guys go? Oh, uh, we were all over the place. I think we started in uh, I want to say DC or Philly, and we went across the Midwest and did it in thing in Colorado. So we just kind of stopped in city to city to city, and it was cool. It was just rounded. There were so many. Brad skaters skating each other, you know. You'd have, you'd have people just vibing off each other, and people didn't skate together before coming together and getting energy off each other. It was just, it was just a good mix, you know. Yeah, that's like a meeting, a meeting of the minds. Felt like that. Um, was your Instagram just on fire for that whole trip? Because there's so many legendary dudes, you're just like sniping warm up clips or what? <laughs> I was running the American Insta, so I, I was like running around my cell phone. You know, because like we made we made videos out of it. It was like professional filmers, like Miner and the Thrasher guys, filming stuff. So I'm like running around in between them, getting like the shitty Instagram uh, cell phone videos and trying to put together clips each time. But I think that I think that that's important too. I guess you know, like getting the real time stuff, and then you look forward to the other stuff that's coming later. Yeah, I think it's awesome, dude. It's like um, you capture it all. It's cool. It's fucking awesome. It's like the more skateboarding, the better. It's awesome. Have you ever tried to write a novel? No, hell no. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> I imagine I, I imagine at the beginning, no? <laughs> That's the spot. I, I only when I write, I honestly just I'll feel like I just open up the computer and just start typing like whatever's on my mind. That's usually how it goes. I'm not good at planning out like long-winded chapters or like seven-page pieces. It just it's just like a big event, you know. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, just get it all out and then see what's on the page, you know. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I like that, dude. I like writing. I imagine I like singing too. I wish like I could sing. I know that might sound weird, but like, you like it, but you can't. What do you mean? If people like, if I had the balls to just like really try to sing, like, <laughs> hard to do. It's a game I played before, and it's not easy to commit. You're like super vulnerable when you try to do it for real. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, that's why whenever I see someone on stage and they're like singing their heart out and they're so brave and especially if they have a unique voice, I'm always like, whoa, like that must be so gnarly to, I, I for some people they start so young, I imagine. It's probably the same with skating too. Like if you start so young, you're just like, you're used to it by the time you get, I, I'm always so nervous. <laughs> I don't have the balls to do it. I can't do it. Hey, did you ever do good in contests? Did you win any contests? Uh, not really. I mean, when I was super young, I did. I think the best contest I did, I did good. I did good in a Vancouver. Remember the Vancouver contest they used to do, the Slam City? Yeah, of I course. In a, I was in the AM contest there. I got, like, ninth place. And, uh, I don't know. I feel like I had pretty good competition. Like, I was going against the Chris Coles and the and the Casual Berries of the day back then. Damn. That's about it. Like, there was a couple of days there that was... I, I'm, i like, the one that goes in the... Con I used to be the one that goes in the contest and get, get super jello legs. I would skate really good in, in practice, and then my contest run cons, and they say my name, and I just turn to jello, which is, like, a nightmare for me. 
doesn't work for the tray flips. No, hell no. <laughs> That's such a classic trick. I love that one. On flat ground all day, it's like the funnest trick. Cool. Well, I mean, I should probably go to bed because it's getting late here and I got to work. <laughs> but you're too fun to talk to, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show and I hope you'll come back on again. I would love to. Thanks for having me, dude. I, I'm really flattered you even asked me, so appreciate it. No, dude, you seem like a very, um, I've always liked your skating and I liked your name because it's Tony. Is it really Anthony or just Tony? Anthony, but Tony. We got another one. We got another Anthony. <laughs> Yeah. Anthony 2, everyone else 0, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I always liked your skating, and, like, I knew that you were an open person, and you had, uh, you, you articulate yourself well, too, and it's, like, it's nice to talk to people like that. It's cool, man, it's, like, it's kind of, like, with the technology and everything, to be able to just talk so openly and honest is, like, not the easiest thing for everyone. Yeah, it's, a, it's an adjustment, but, I mean, I, I think it's cool what you're doing, too, like, you're kind of opening up the scope to... Uh, skateboarding right now, I feel like you're doing something unique, so I look forward to like you having a long run here, man. Yeah, thank you, man. I enjoy doing it, so I figured the only thing stopping me is me, so I'm just gonna keep going. That's true. <laughs> keep it. Tony, thank you for everything, man.